Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Emily. And I'm Joan of Hart. And we're here today with our friend and fellow YouTuber, <laughs> base sensation, Hondo Felder. Hondo. Hey, Hondo. How's it going? Hey, it's going great. It's going great. <laughs> your, your arm's in a sling. It is, yeah. I uh, apparently need to take a break from using the keyboard and playing bass so much. So I'm putting this in the sling and uh, giving it a rest for five weeks. So not looking Five? Yeah. Well, that's, that's not so bad. I've had to take breaks from walking basically for longer than that mm-hmm. well hopefully you'll be back to play soon yeah hopefully mm-hmm. yeah i'm definitely uh missing it for sure definitely start doing some stretches we're at the age where we need to <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah do some <laughs> do some yeah. non some non-static stretching mm-hmm. static stretching remember it, friends static stretching before you work out can result in injury indeed very true yeah mm-hmm. you want to be limber so do those torso twists, yep. do the arm circles. I'm just going over my boxing. Okay, there you go. Just keep swimming. Yeah, all that kind just of stuff. Keep just keep swimming. <laughs> so, so guys, I got a, I got a question. Is playing guitar a cult? Depends. <laughs> Maybe. It depends. A hobby is kind of art. Can can be kind of cultish, I guess. Hobbies can absolutely be cultish. You think about like the cult of CrossFit yep. and the cult of like mm. Soul Cycle. Yeah. Those are those are specific organizations yeah. where the the participants within those organizations get so into it, it becomes like this community. Yep. And sometimes it sometimes things get weird. Guitar is not quite that centralized, but there are still things about it that seem really culty. Like we have a specific lingo, for example, <laughs> there are things that we know about that no one else does. Yep. Um, yeah. You talk to people yeah. and it's like, wah, yeah. wah, 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 wah. And we're like, you don't understand. <laughs> like this is, this is common knowledge. Why don't you know this? <laughs> yeah. Every guitar whoever picks up a guitar and plays the D chord does all the sustain <laughs> kind of add nine things all the, like each time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't really what makes something a cult. Uh, we're not, <laughs> we're not, uh, saying that playing guitar is a cult, but yeah. I did ask people, Joe and I both did, what parts of guitar culture do you find a little bit culty? And yeah, again, I want to preface this. This is guitar is not a cult. None of these things are really cults. And frankly, some of the answers were more like, here's stuff I don't like, like yeah. about guitar <laughs> culture or things I don't specifically agree with. I'm like, not liking something doesn't make it culty. You failed the but, assignment. Uh, here, <laughs> you had one job. Yeah. But there's a cult education institute, and here are some of the things that they use to define a cult. They're characterized by, one, absolute authoritarianism without accountability, zero tolerance for criticism or questions, lack of meaningful financial disclosure, unreasonable fears about the outside world that often involve evil conspiracies (laughs) and persecutions. There's more. Don't worry. A belief that former followers are always wrong for leaving and there's never a legitimate reason for anyone else to leave. Like guitarist going synthy. Abuse of members. We abuse each other. Uh, Records, books, articles, or programs documenting the abuses of the leader. No, it doesn't really apply so much. Um, I'm I'm hearing some uh, things that apply for sure. Yeah, for sure. There's a few more. The biggest one is followers feeling they are never able to be good enough. 
Yes. <laughs> I believe the leader is right at all times. Again, there's not really a central no. leader, but there are a lot of cults of personality in the guitar world. There are a lot of, of, the world. <laughs> the a lot of cults yes. of personality. Uh, and we'll get to that. I think that might be one of the first ones. And a belief that the leader is the exclusive means of knowing truth or giving validation. And that's a bit of a, we can give the cults of personality mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. So those are the kind of big things about cults. There are also sometimes entrance and exit costs. Mm. Um, guitar doesn't, I don't know if guitar has like specific, like their entrance costs, entrance, like yeah, literal no monetary out, ones. Yeah. There's no exit. You're more selling things <laughs> <Yeah>. off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So those are some of the things that the CEI, uh, considers to be a cult uh the atlantic also had uh, a few things from um wow several years ago the founder of ihop mark bickle created a list of seven ways to recognize the difference between a religious community and a cult uh opposing critical thinking <laughs> can't have that <laughs> again isolating members and penalizing them for leaving uh and then some of them are act the rest seem to be like actually religious specific um so but like <laughs> opposing critical thinking i felt like we should add that yeah, one to critical the list thinking of bad you must believe whatever the leader has said <laughs> yeah so, so those are some things we're going to keep in mind as we talk about is are certain parts of guitar culture culty mm -hmm. and big uh, tip, uh, big hat tip to the podcast sounds like a cult in the book cultish and hat tip to Hillary B. Jones for turning me onto the book. Cultish. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. So, um, again, Joe and I put out a call to ask people, what are some things in guitar culture that are kind of culty? And, uh, let's just, let's just dive in. Yeah. So, cool. uh, yeah, I'm going to, I guess I'll go down the list first, or do you want to do it one at a time? Go Let's down. do one at a time. Right. So the first one that I saw there was a consensus about uh, amongst the people in their replies was brand loyalty and people that are tone chasers. You think about Eddie Van Halen, John Mayer, you know, uh, John Bonanza. I mean, I know there's there's a proper way of saying it, but I always call him Bonanza. <laughs> 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 I used to like Joe Bonamassa a lot. There you go. That's, that's how you say it. <laughs> yeah. So th that's kind of. Um, so let's just say that one more time. Let's say it one more time. Uh, tone chasers. Yeah. Tone or chasers. Is, that is it called a personality or tone chasers? I would say tone chasers. Like you're looking for the style of like effects that, let's say, Eddie Van Halen used, John Mayer, um, mm -hmm. but very much a brand loyalty. Um, like let's say also that's the kind they use, like Strymon or kinds of brands of MXR, like EHX. Mm -hmm. I would kind of divide those into two separate things. I think brand loyalty and uh, like hero worship are kind of separate things. Okay. Starting with brand loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. So brand loyalty is always an interesting one for me. I can't imagine like standing a brand as much as uh, some people tend to just really defend everything yes. a brand will mm -hmm. do. They can do mm -hmm. no wrong. Yep, they can do no exactly. wrong. And if you speak against them, oh my God, will they? They will pile on you and hop the train. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I've had that. I've had that experience in guitar groups that were dedicated to certain yeah. guitar pedal brands that I won't get into. No. Um, and but there, I think 
something about guitar culture that makes this almost easier to like stand brands and start like a cult of personality around a brand is that so often pedal builders, especially in some luthiers, they become the brand and it's kind of, uh, was, you can't separate them. Yeah. Right. Um, at all. And that's one of the reasons they got big is because they were so available, especially early on. And it's not always a bad thing. It's actually, I think, a pretty good marketing strategy. And it's nice to be able to reach out like personally to people whose gear that you use. People tend to really like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Having that connection is is a huge thing for people. Yeah, just the ones that come off the top of my head. I think JHS is probably the biggest one. Yeah, I agree. And JHS always has a lot of defenders. Every time someone (laughs) speaks up against JHS, someone is really quick to come to the brand's defense, even if it's, you know, kind of a reasonable criticism. Right. Or just or just an observation even like oh a lot of their circuits are clones everybody does clones <laughs> i'm like that's just a fact oh, no, oh, no. i don't and they yeah and they but the jhs also leans into it yeah. they specifically have pedals like they are clones yeah, so they're like, yeah we do this <laughs> yeah but that is something that's just one example of of people really getting into it with each other because of this intense brand loyalty yes. Um, yeah. What are some other examples that you guys can think of? Well, I'll definitely think another one I'd say is probably Strymon has a huge kind of, um, mm. yeah, like there's a lot of people that as far as like when they're talking about praise and worship boards, even though I'm not really in that. But if you have a board that has quite a few, you know, Strymons on it, like you're automatically associated and people who are into Strymon are definitely very much into that kind of sound. So yeah, a lot of times you'll see someone definitely defending um, the brand or anyone's opinion about said things in regards to them still being something you should have on your board. I mean, there is, I saw a conversation recently that was someone was asking, I think in one of the reddits that was saying, well, you know, I want to get a new reverb, but you know, uh, the big sky or any of those hasn't been updated, you know, updated since 2014. So maybe I could find something new, but I was like, well, in 2014, I guess I'll be the Strymon fangirl to kind of argue the point of, you know, if they are still on people's boards on stage and still being used in production in studios, doesn't matter whether it's 2014 or 2022. I mean, right. it's still viable that they're still being used, so therefore they're still good to use modernly. Mm-hmm. So I, I would be one of those defenders, but I really don't care. You know, if, if it gets the job done, great, but I do... I do love that brand. So, (laughs) yeah, you know, that kind of goes into almost another culty part of the guitar culture, which is just straight up, let's be honest, praise and worship pedal boards. That is another. (laughs) Specifically, because you look at the praise and worship community in terms of guitar, just about guitar, gear culture. It's like a lot of those folk wear the same kind of shoes. They have have the same kind of pedals on (laughs) their boards. They play the the same same guitar builders. (laughs) They have the same pickups. It's so it really is like a uniformity thing. Um, And I mean, that's not really one of the, the tenants that we've talked about, but that is, I think a big thing and is something cultish is something culty like you think about mid-level marketing uh that's like people selling like LuLaRoe and shit Mm -hmm. and people make fun of how they always have like the same scripts and they have the same aesthetic and they kind of do everything the same way Mm -hmm. and that's a big part of what makes something culty you think about when you because when you think of cults 
How often are you thinking of people all wearing the same thing, yeah. like the Polyphonic Spree, if you remember that band? Oh, God, yes. Kind of a lot. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, I think, kind of bleeds into not just even brand worship, but like some genres and styles, specifically praise and worship. They seem pretty, a little, eh, let's, let's be honest, a little culty. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's a there's a similar thing in uh in the bass world right now going on with uh companies like Dark Glass. It's like, you know, there's like very heavy, like, you know, if you play metal, you gotta have a dark glass pedal on yep, your board. Dark glass, yep. Uh and you gotta play have dark glass and play a ding wall. You know, it's like everybody's like going down yeah. that route. And um it's funny because when you're talking about like the cult aspect, I feel like you'll have like a development of like this cultish type group. And then you'll have like a rebound group. That's like all anti that thing, yes. you know? So it's yeah. just like, <laughs> like you got this whole group of huge, like huge fans of this thing. And everybody is like, Oh, I'll use anything but that, you know? That's funny. Yeah. So I think brand worship can get, pretty culty i think i think we can agree on on that and that really goes into the cult of personality and hero worship especially in regards to specific players john mayer joe bonamassa eddie van halen Jimi hendrix um stevie ray vaughn there are a lot of guitarists who can seemingly do no wrong um Joe Bonamassa is kind of an interesting one because there he has he's got more backlash than a lot of um, of the other players that we would otherwise mention in that list, mm. which is weird. It's it's weird, isn't it? How he seems to have more backlash than like John Mayer. Um, I'm and John I'm, Mayer actually is kind of does some rude things sometimes. He's very funny, but he also has done some really shitty things. True. I mean, I mean, for me, it's probably more his advertising and marketing complaint, like campaigns of bombarding oh, so my e- my email with nonstop. Oh, get like, off that email list! Yeah, like every two yeah. seconds he's doing something, and I'm just like, just stop. I don't care. This, <laughs> Please leave me alone. Are emails better than they used to be? Because they used to just be a tr- like really long, yeah. like just a bunch of just like image blocks yes. that somebody made and just pasted into an email. Yep. That's, that's, that's what it was. Oh, so anytime God. I'd see that, I would just like, oh my God, I don't I unsubscribe. Please leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. But people really do, especially when you get into older guitarists, um, Hendrix, especially ones who are no longer with us hmm. even or playing. Uh, ones that can't, rebound like they, they can't change or they can't like suddenly offend people i guess yeah. uh like people thinking that Jimi hendrix is like the peak of all things guitar very influential fantastic player inspired my personal style in some small ways because his style influenced a lot of the guitarists i listen to styles right. um yeah. like john frusciati from uh the chili peppers like that kind of stuff um but there does seem to get some weird hero worship around it. People having like a ton of Jimi Hendrix memorabilia, you know, every just face pointing to him as, yeah, yeah <laughs> putting his face, his name, his likeness on, or like hinting at it with like so much gear. Yeah, and it's like some of it's licensed and on the up and up. Uh, some of it's really not. Um, it, it's it's. That's that does get kind of culty, yeah. but that's that's celebrity worship, and that's its own kind of cult. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, is. I definitely yeah. agree with that. Yeah, there's a couple of people like that that I can think of in the bass world. When you think about people like um, like Flea or Jocko yeah. or oh, yeah. 
you know, Chaco. there's some people that are just hardcore. They want to do everything that that person did. Yep. You know, they want they want to have the 1960s style jazz bass that's reliced and fretless <laughs> with the lines in it, just like Jocko did and everything. Yep. You know, it's, I always find that interesting. And it's funny because when you think about the, the type of people that get the hero worship, they were big originators for the most part. You know, but then the people that are worship, worshiping them are like doing the opposite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. it's like what Joe said, just tone chasers. No, exactly. Yeah, like mm-hmm. even like when I had my fretless bass that uh, I eventually sold, like when I was getting into, you know, playing one of those. Yeah, it was everywhere you looked, left and right, Jocko, Jocko, Jocko. And it was just mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, what else are people doing? That was more me. Like I usually am not really a traditionalist or like putting people on pedestals. So I'm like, that's nice and all, but like, what are other people doing with this? Exactly. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to emulate Mm -hmm. a certain guitarist or style, especially if that's just what you want to do. If you just want to like go play Jimi Hendrix songs and sound like Jimi Hendrix. Awesome. That's a really valid way to enjoy the art of guitar. Um, But when you get to a point where everything sucks, except for that thing that you like, Mm -hmm. That's where it gets a little culty because that's zero tolerance for criticism or questions. You can't criticize. Yeah, you can't criticize these people, especially the ones who are no longer with us. Like, yeah. Um, Trying to think, see what else might appeal to that. Um, uh, A belief that that leader is right all the time for the celebrity culture. That's a good one. Uh, No accountability. That's, I mean, I hope things don't get into that way. I do think that um, there are some people out there who might be part of this culture who are abusers. Um, And maybe it's come out and maybe it hasn't. But it would kind of operating without this accountability. I hear rumors all the time of people saying, oh, this person's being protected, but this person's actually done these terrible things. Mm. Yeah. I and mean, we're just not, you'll th- we're not able to talk about it, allegedly, kind of things. Yeah. I mean, you'll think about this also how people worship, like, let's say, the Beatles. Um, and that, in some aspects, would have kind of a following that would lean into some of this but i mean if you think about john lennon i mean as far as like a musician hey great but as a person like highly abusive maybe not so great yeah, not so great yeah so, Alle- allegedly he can do no wrong i think more than allegedly <laughs> yeah. i think he admitted to oh, abusing yeah. his first mm-hmm. wife yeah you know mm-hmm. and then we know that there are rock stars like there are rumors about things that jimmy page has done mm-hmm. and then there are obvious things that people like jimmy page have like admitted to doing especially in the 70s with like young groupies and stuff mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. things that don't quite fly these days like i think that would ruin your career now yeah now if it came for out. sure now yeah, yeah for now. sure and and i yeah. I've, I've seen someone oh, this person is also problematic in a way if i think about some of the things i guess amanda palmer has said that um all of our heroes are problematic in one yeah. in one way or another and it's really as especially us her yeah exactly so that's why i said that uh, as people it's really up to us to decide what we're what we're willing to accept and not like, so. Yeah. And you know, that's interesting to, because people always want to separate the art from the mm-hmm. artist. I don't think that's always, always possible. No. I agree. Um, you can't. I'm so, yeah. And I just, especially considering there's so much great art to out there and some art to consume products to buy from people who aren't abusive mm-hmm. of power. 
you know, people who can handle it better. Yeah. Like they're like, oh, every celebrity's done something, you know, not the same level of something. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, oh, maybe so and so was rude to a fan. I'm like, oh, who gives a shit? Yeah, right. They had a bad day. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, right. don't. Yeah, I don't think the weight of the world should be on that one interaction. Like, you have no idea the context of that moment. <laughs> No, and like I try to be really nice, even when I'm in a bad yeah, space or too. mood. Like, like that gig where I fucked up really bad a few weeks ago on one song. Hmm. I after that song, I got off stage because it was intermission, and a guy came up to me to start talk, wanted to talk to me about my guitar, and I was trying so hard mm-hmm. to be nice, mm-hmm. but I know I was being a little bit short. I'm like, you picked me at a wrong time, yeah. like, yeah. like, like I don't know. Also, in general, I don't like being talked to the moment I get off stage because I'm usually I'm trying to do something <laughs> like go to the bathroom <laughs> um important yeah, thing so yeah so that's those are two big things I think those are probably the two biggest parts of guitar culture that I think that we can actually say are can get really culty yeah. and I'm again not saying it's a real cult not saying these people are cult leaders and I'm not saying that just because you are someone who is or like there's someone you hero worship i'm not saying just because you hero worship them they're bad no like yeah i mean people do it but i think you have to keep your mind open and and like say if they do something shitty i'm not gonna stand for it right and i I think that's kind of the big difference and and stuff like that no absolutely and I i think that you know now that we're in this age of you know, everybody can find out so much about everyone mm-hmm. so easily. I think, you know, that accountability part is a little bit harder to ignore these days than it was maybe 20 years ago. Yeah. Mm. And it's also up for us to decide, like you were saying, Joe, well, kind of like Amanda's quote. Yeah. It's up for us to decide, like, what's actually problematic and bad and what is like, Maybe not ideal. Right. Yeah. Like everybody, everybody does something sometime that's going to hurt somebody else. And I think like, was it intentional? Like, I don't think intent really matters. Like if you really, really hurt somebody, mm-hmm. but it can make it easier to forgive if you are willing to redeem yourself in some yeah. sort of way. And that that's something we don't get. Like I loved Ryan Adams. I know I've talked about this on the podcast before. Loved him. That New York times article came out. I just pulled all the records off my shelf. Yeah. I'm like, no. Yeah. Because the one line that haunted me from that article was she never played another show. And Mm, yeah. uh, Regarding uh, one of the younger women with whom he spoke, um, sent illicit sexual pictures to and uh, uh, convinced himself that she was older than 18. And she lied, like she did, but that's like, you got, you got, we can get, that could be its whole yeah. episode, but you got to re- recognize power differentials. Yeah, the dynamics for and, sure. And events mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, what's right, next? next? We've already spent 20 minutes. <laughs> the next on the list, um, Tone Woods or Tone is in the Fingers, like those types mm-hmm. of. Those yeah, things. Those things. Like, oh, I, I feel like the science is kind of in on Tone Woods, yeah. like, that it doesn't make the hugest difference, and especially in electric instruments. Electrics, yes, I, I dove into a little of that, um, but I think it definitely does in acoustics. Yeah, I, I people have done studies on this. People have done studies on does the shape of a guitar yes. change the sound, and the answer is kind of, <laughs> but not noticeably. Yeah, at least uh, from what I saw in my looking into it with the electrics um, in. 
2012, there was a guy from uh, Matthew Angro from uh, Latrobe University. He conducted an experiment with seven guitars, um, obviously different woods and whatnot, but the pickups were all the same, the strings were all the same, and the distance of the strings were all across the board the same. So he, Same scale. Yeah, same scale, same everything. Okay. So they basically... He did a, some tests in which he kind of played some notes and seed the frequency of all of them straight across the board to see if there was any difference between all of them, between woods or anything, or is it just the pickups and electrical pieces really that matter? And it seemed uh, when he did the test, it looked like all of them right across the board were there really was no difference, which kind of leaned into mm -hmm. the fact that it has to do with, yeah, it, if they're all the way they're set up. I mean, or the electrics or the distance, like that's really what matters and not really tone would. But I would kind of, I guess, as a question to say, um, I don't know what pickups he was using, because if you're doing this test, are you just using a bunch of cheap pickups? I mean, that wouldn't pick up that kind of subtle difference or... Yeah, um, that's that's the open ended or like or like a low compression PAF. Yeah, for example, so right. it didn't tell me anywhere what style of pickups mm -hmm. he used. So to me, as much as they say, yeah, science is kind of like ruled out on this one. I was like, yeah, but I mean, what we don't know a lot about that study. Yeah, I right. mean, as far as my, yeah. I'm concerned, I was like, I kind of want to know what the pickups were like what did they use because if it is something that doesn't it's just cheap and it doesn't really pick up the frequency range as good as let's say something um that is better at that would we have different results in that study so that's right. that's the kind of uh herring that i see in the study but yeah at the same time most guitarists do put their guitar through compressive effects mm -hmm. if not a compressor straight up like yep. overdrives lays by the time you get through all that i got to imagine that it's it's not making the biggest difference in no. the world but there but there are people who like i don't want a guitar unless it's all solid body mahogany yes. rosewood fretboard not brazilian rosewood yep. or any other pseudo yeah. kind of things so i want real ebony yep. not ebonized um uh, rosewood or something like that they so they, they get really specific and if you're saying you want these specific things because it's the only way you're going to get the tone that you want like that yeah that's kind of culty yeah no it is it's kind of culty yeah the ones that you mentioned yeah across the board when i was doing the research that's mostly what i saw either mahogany or ebony or rosewood everyone was up and down about those type or like alder you know, being a little snappy or bright or mm -hmm. purple wood or whatever. But I know in acoustics, obviously, it helps with projection or whatever. But it, in electrics, right. it's like, you know, what what really is operating here when you get down to it? After all the effects are added and compression, like you said, like at the end of the day, like it's going through so much and changing the signal dramatically to the point where it's even if it did, the little bit of minor nuances are going to be lost in all of that. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think, Hondo? Yeah, I think um, kind of like picking up on what Joan was saying. I think by the time the sound gets to the audience, there the, the, any nuance, any differences are probably long gone uh, because 
I've experienced a lot of times using even sometimes different pickups that that can get lost sometimes transferring between, you know, you playing and hearing yourself versus what the audience might hear if you're playing at a gig or on a record. Because, you know, once it gets to the mix engineer, you know, that's like totally out of your hands and it ends up being a totally (laughs) different thing anyway. Um, Yeah. And I think if there are differences, I've always thought, you know, obviously the player kind of picking up on the tone is in the fingers thing. Like the person playing the instrument obviously is the biggest difference. But then when you get into things like tone woods or like specific types of like strings or something like that, I think a lot of that is like, um, how the instrument feels to you to play as opposed to like what it really sounds like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause I think we, yeah. we can sometimes trick ourselves into hearing stuff because of the way it feels to play the instrument, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? And not to say that, <laughs> Our own response. Yeah, not to say that that's not something that's important because it's got to feel good to play to you in order for you to play the way you want to play. So it's like, does it matter tonally? Nah, probably not. But you know, when you talk about like yeah. construction and stuff, I think it matters with like your experience of playing the guitar maybe. Yeah. And, you know, I I think there's there can be some dangers in the cult of tone woods environmentally. Yeah. And that's that's this whole other thing. But the idea of if if we all agree collectively that a guitar only sounds good if it's ash, mahogany, rosewood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah, but but you can. St- I think like Layla from Tunatone has proven that you can get sustainably available materials to build a guitar, and it still looks great, sounds great, and frankly weighs less. And then composites like Dan Electro using composites they have forever, lightweight and destructible. Yeah, like those things have d- benefits over using things like mahogany, not just environmentally, but in terms of like. How long is it, like it's not going to smash very easily uh, and it weighs next to nothing. I'd rather have a lightweight guitar than a guitar made with an exotic wood just because just because yep, yeah, I, agree. I think no, it has magical I, properties. No, I totally agree with you because I mean, even when you think about not other, you know, not just woods, but thinking about other compounds, even though I don't like the sound of them. Again, there's a uh, carbon fiber, you know, type of instruments that are now coming out and people are using. So that's kind mm-hmm. of a way to, I guess, conserve, not use uh, certain woods when they're under sites and uh, restricted because um, I know for a while Rosewood was um, protected right. because charging people that did actually make instruments uh, under Rosewood for a bit. I think it's out of sights now, I think, but it was for a couple of years. Um, at least at, at least it is for instruments. Mm. Um, I think there have been some up- updates just in who can use it because the big the big issue there was mostly furniture builders. Yeah, mm. especially with okay. Rosewood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. With Rosewood, especially was, um, I think like, instruments were the, uh, weren't the issue it was, uh, <laughs> furniture builders. So I think that there is, um, an exception hmm. for musical instruments now for Rosewood, but I am not entirely sure. Let me know in the comments on YouTube if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, before we get into tonus in the fingers, uh, 
I want to implore you all to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash get offset for as little as $5 a month. You can join our exclusive discord server and hang out with some really cool people, including me, Joe and uh, Andrew. Do you remember Andrew? He is pretty recent, <laughs> pretty recent things. Um, Hopefully you do. Good Lord. Um, what else? So uh, we got merch at getoffsetpodcast.com slash shop. Please like, comment, subscribe, subscribe. on YouTube. Subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe. subscribe on um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen slash watch. Mm-hmm. And um, what else? What else? Um, any- leave us a review on iTunes, please. Of course. Yeah. Leave reviews. Uh, anytime we put up questions or anything on IG or anything, I mean, it kind of opens up the door for you guys to engage with us directly in any of these topics. Um, I think that's really a good way for us to know what you think besides comments and reviews. And yeah, subscribe and uh, join the Discord. I mean, it's a good community and I've met lovely people there. So thanks for everyone yeah. supporting and uh, thanks for watching. Yeah. And uh, let's meet Honda. We haven't really introduced Honda very much except as a bassist and YouTuber. But yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Well, sure. Uh, so I I got into uh, bass playing a little bit late. Uh, I started playing when I was 17. Uh, so now that means I've been playing for 21 years, almost 22 years. Um, I started off playing classical guitar when I was eight and i hated it (laughs) (laughs) i started they were they were at the time i think i was listening to um like a lot of rock and stuff and they were making me play things like autumn leaves and you know green sleeves and stuff like that and i'm like i don't like this i don't want to do this you know so i did that for a couple of years and then um got out of it as quickly as possible and i didn't do anything musical for you know a decade and then i think it was i think i was listening to incubus one day like one of the uh the first two incubus records and i was like man it sounds like this would be like really fun to do let me look into this and i started uh, just like looking into bass playing and I got a 32-inch uh, scale uh, Washburn back in uh, oh, yeah, yeah. 2001 uh, and then started playing the bass. Yep, started playing then. And uh, I had no idea that 32-inch scale was shorter than normal. So imagine my surprise <laughs> when I pick up a P bass and I'm just like, whoa, this feels different. Oh, <laughs> one of these things is not exactly. like the other. I was like, what's going on here? You know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but I've been doing that and, uh, I've been doing that for 20 years and I got into audio engineering and whatnot kind of early on in that process. So I've been doing a lot of like mixing and mastering and stuff. Uh, and then I started the YouTube channel, I want to say two or three years ago, um, because I'd actually moved, I'm from the East coast, so I'm from Philadelphia and I moved out to California back in 2015 and like I lost all my musical connections. So I wasn't really gigging very much. So I tried to figure out a way to like, like what could I do to like make myself write more music and make myself play more music? I was figured like, okay, let me try and make a YouTube channel. And then, you know, that was two years ago when I started off reviewing a a bass that Jake Sarek had made for me. And you know, the rest is uh, online for you to see. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so everyone please go check out hondo give him a follow uh link in the video description as always yeah of course thank you for everything you do because again i've said in other podcasts because we talk about you affectionately uh, that, <laughs> I that uh, i appreciate that there are 
you know, ways in which if anybody plays bass, you're kind of filling in the space of effects pedals or ways in which we can hear how things sound. Um, I always found that there was a lack of that when I first started playing bass myself. So just to have someone that's kind of filling that void and doing it in a really creative and uh, great way. It's, I love the different styles that you play in. So it's like a wide range. It's not just one. Mm-hmm. Thank you. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So from a bassist perspective... Is tone in the fingers? Yeah, this yeah, this conversation comes up so much. I think there's <laughs> there's two different ways I think you could interpret that question. I think the first one in the sense that, you know, like I think well, let me ask this first. Do do guitarists agree that different picks sound different? Uh, they definitely feel different. Feel okay. different. I think a really a really light pick is going to feel different and give you less effect than other things and playing with your fingers is going to give you a different yeah. effect on acoustics. But typically that's sorry. I think it matters more on acoustics yeah. for sure. Mm. Cause again, with electric guitar, like your, your things are going through compression most of the time. Yeah. Mm. yeah I think, yeah. you know, even if you don't have a compressor. Right. Yeah. Very true. And, uh, I think, you know, when it comes to that aspect, the difference in like between like using different types of picks, is kind of like the difference between, you know, use different people's fingers because like different people's fingers are shaped differently like for instance um my fingernails they like the very beginning of my fingernail is very far forward on the pad of my finger so like i get a lot more nail in my attack on the base than somebody else who you know they're uh they have like thicker uh pads of their fingers and their nail doesn't make contact with the strings so like that's like actually like you can very clearly hear that like that's definitely I think that's not an arguable fact that that can make a difference. Cause it's like, you know, it's like playing with like a pick with like fur on it versus like an actual <laughs> plastic pick. <laughs> I think that definitely makes a difference. Um, but I think there's the other aspect of like the tone is in the fingers thing. I think people are saying, you know, as a player, you're the person that's making the sounds. Um, and I have heard a couple of my favorite, uh, bass players um, like you know, like uh, Janet Guzdala and he I've heard him play now multiple basses made out of tons of different woods with different scale lengths made by different builders and he always sounds the same like he always sounds like him you know so I think there is something to that for sure mm-hmm. definitely in terms of styles I think you know I, when I think about electric guitar especially I think it if most of the tone really happens between you and the amp. Not saying completely because there are things like technique that matter a lot. Uh, left hand technique, right hand technique, like where are you pressing? How hard are you pressing on, on the strings, which hopefully not too hard. Like how light are are you on moving from note to note? Like Jordan.wave on Instagram very smooth, fast player with a really light touch. And then you have players that have kind of are pretty heavy handed and you can hear the difference in what they're able to play. Right. But if you took away things like, and I keep saying compression, but I think it's, it's one of the most yeah. important kind of elements. Like obviously no one's ever saying that you can get reverb delay and glitchy shit without <laughs> effects, but, yeah. but you, you're not going to get the sound that you get without, compression without oftentimes post-production 
on things, uh, on recordings, to give you that kind of sound. I mean, shit, your voice sounds so different oh, depending totally. on what effects, like what EQ you mm-hmm. have going on. And that's like your voice. And your voice is your voice is here, and it's here. Uh, and it's that's it, or that should seems like it should be it, but it's not the case. It's 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 a lot of things working together. Yeah, and if you took if you took someone's like sick guitar run or took some like chicken picking and took away all of the effects, including the compression, and just went like direct in with an amp sim, it would sound so different than what you would expect. And I feel like having those different kinds of effects can give you a lot of confidence as a player yeah. that you otherwise might not have. So mm. I think it starts in the fingers, but it can be transformed and almost always is. Of Except for acoustic players. Yeah. No, I get that. We always go back to acoustic players, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do. But I also think uh, when you think about effects and uh, in regards to playing style and tone is in the fingers, um, you can have someone that's highly technical, which is great, um, but sometimes effects masks things that you probably could improve as a player so yeah that that can hide definitely a bunch of stuff yeah and we love and hate effects for that yep. <laughs> that's that's my that's my thing i i both love and hate them for that well, yeah that's nice. definitely it's funny there's a thing in the bass world where people mm-hmm. will often say like oh all you need is your bass and your uh and your amp that's it like you don't need to use effects like why are you using no, all those effects so there's definitely uh <laughs> yeah. definitely a lot yep, of people yep, that believe is. that <laughs> yep there is in the guitar world uh, too yes <laughs> i mean yeah i mean you think about people who just want to plug straight into a marshall stack yeah. the list is long that's a little that's its own Pseudocult. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, well, amps, amps and, uh, was it, uh, tube amps and like solid state was its own category. So yes, amps, amps definitely has its following. <laughs> yeah. I think especially tube amps mm-hmm. there, it does seem to be a bit of a cult of tube amps that, and I think, it's, I, I do think it's getting smaller mm-hmm. just with how far solid state and plugins yes. have come. Well, I agree. But there are, there are definitely still a lot of people who just don't think you can get good tone with a solid state amp. And like, I hate to break it to y'all. There are some shitty tube amps out there too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, there definitely is. Yeah. And this one, like it, it felt a little bit less culty and more just like a, a disagreement or like just a very strange, hard belief. Mm. Um, but it, it, this, and a lot of what the, a lot of what these have in common is not a lot of tolerance for criticism yeah. or questions. Right. And I think what kind of makes something culty is when you know that most of the people you ask to like defend a belief in one of these areas can't probably give you a lot of stats to, or stories even to cement it and prove it. Because a lot of it's it's not none of the shit's provable. It's, it's subjective, truly. really. Yeah. Um, the other one, of course, if we're talking going from amps, and of course we talked about plugins a little bit earlier, but not really in depth. Uh, one of the categories was analog and digital effects. You think about pedals, that kind of thing. And also, I always see people in the comments saying, "Why are you fiddling with that when you can just do plugins?" So that's you know. The difference. I the know two. Emily Hopkins and Russ yes, get that a lot. Unfortunately, they do. It's, it's annoying. <laughs> like plugins aren't one aren't as fun. Nope. They're very valuable and they're they're valid in they their can own be setting. Pretty, yeah, 
they can be they can be kind of affordable. Some of them are stupid expensive, yeah. but some are really they're, affordable. Just like pedals. Uh, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like they're just like the digital like computer form of pedals. Like they yep. some of them cost about the same. Like what I think about or a shit ton more. more. Yeah. So it, and also at least for me when it comes to the difference between you know uh, effects pedals and plugins, for me I'm already on computers so damn much that it's like. Why do I want to fiddle more and more time fiddling with things in a program or a DAW with like, I'm sure it sounds great, but I'm kind of trying to add some organic element of like knobs turning or physical aspect in choosing my sound versus just like algorithm knobs and things. Again, they're equatable about the same, but I don't want to look at a screen a lot of times too long. And you can't take plugins with you very no, easily you can't you have to get a laptop I don't, yeah i don't want to i don't want to run a show computer no. when i'm playing connor burn that place is like a 250 cap yeah. that's stupid mm. but also it's just like so much stupid setup and well, yeah, yeah exactly Th- things can go wrong you can experience latency super oh, yeah. duper easily like i could like i there have definitely benefits to having a show computer um but i i just think you got to be in a bigger place to really justify it and like you can't I went to the park yesterday with headphones, a rechargeable mission engineering uh, power supply, and my guitar, and like a little, I this little pedal board. I just dicked around in the park on nice. for like twenty minutes. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah, that's cool. Video video is going to be on YouTube soon. If it's not nice. already, it might be already. I don't that know. Kinda, that um, kind of reminds me of Perry Frank. I used to early, I guess, in my uh, exploration of like ambient kind of guitar stuff. I used to love watching his videos because he'd just have like a rug out and he'd be in the middle of like nowhere with just playing like ambient music out like in some kind of landscape. And I was like, I love that. So I look forward to seeing mm-hmm. that. I that sounds that cool. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a, it was a fun little time it was a little stressful <laughs> my camera battery i forgot to i forgot to check the camera battery because oh, no. we just recorded with a recovery effects the night before oh. and actually rick was in charge of the camera and he didn't tell me the battery had gotten kind of low on it and i didn't check you had so, one job uh, yeah. poor guy i mean i had i had a lot of jobs yeah and he, that wasn't really his it wasn't really his problem mm-hmm. um but yeah we just recorded on iphones instead it works. It's like, oh. yeah i mean and yeah iPhones look great. Yeah, they anyway. really do. No, it's great. Like, I still filmed in 4K. It's just like, oh, I yeah. don't know why. Why, like, we can't have smaller cameras that are 4K cameras when the iPhone can do it. Yeah, it's, it's portable. I'll it's perfect. Understand. Yeah, it's valid as far as, like, recording. Anybody that says otherwise is just, you know, um, you know, get off my lawn kind of mentality, yep. which is gatekeeping. Yeah. Truly. Yep. Yeah, so... That's the, yeah, I don't know. What, what's your take, Kondo, on analog? Because tube versus digital and analog versus digital pedals, they're all essentially analog versus digital. Yeah. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, Kondo? I think there's, because I think there's a couple of different pieces, like the uh, like modelers, it's one thing. And then you have like amp in a box pedals and stuff. And I think I kind of understood right when that, that technology kind of came out. 
I didn't think it sounded very good initially, but I think now, you know, there's some really good stuff out there and some of it makes playing out live so convenient. Like I used to have a, um, a, uh, what is the fractal AX eight, the little pedal board. And when I was playing in a Mm. cover band, I could literally set up like every sound for every song and just click through it. And I just had all the effects I needed, all the amps and it just made everything so easy. And to get all those same types of sounds, you know, if I wanted to actually like go down the rabbit hole, it would have been like, you know, $50,000 a year, you know, but I get all these cool sounds and cool effects and I don't have to worry about like, you know, putting together a pedal board or anything like that. Cheaper than a console. Yeah. It can save you thousands of of dollars touring with like a Kemper versus. Exactly. And set up time, breakdown time, all that stuff. You know, I think if you put them side by side, like, yeah, I think you probably will hear and feel differences, but when it comes to like actually playing, uh, like playing shows or, you know, I think the real difference might be still when you're like recording, when you have like all that really high quality gear and you can like very finely hear things. I think like that's when, you know, if I have like a real amp sitting around, like I'm going to use it probably. Um, but like for everyday stuff, the digital stuff is fine. Yeah, and you know, like you think about that Benson Mixwave Chimera app. Oh, I love that app. <laughs> uh, it's like hundred. It's what one hundred and fifty bucks mm-hmm. versus you know getting an actual Benson. There are people who work at Benson who can't hear the difference. Yep, it's amazing. Yeah, keep um, but you. yeah, yeah I, if I were recording, I'd probably still pick to use a real amp. But live, especially, I'm going to be completely honest. Tone quality doesn't matter as much live. No. It just it just doesn't. People aren't thinking about it as much. It it's nice to have it sound as good as possible, but like I truly believe if if, if you're just playing live, get it eighty percent of the way there and save yourself the stress of because it's it takes like it takes like let's say an hour to get eighty percent of the way there, and then it takes like three hours to get that other twenty percent. Absolutely. Don't don't worry about yeah, it. Don't. Worry about it in the studio. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when you think about studio wise, uh, digital versus analog effects, um, again, digital when you think about it, even pedals, uh, you know, it's gonna be something that's going to be highly replicatable. Like if you want a similar sound, it's always gonna sound the same. Whereas you get analog yeah. where there's always gonna be nuances in the signal that's going to vary depending on your dynamics. Um, some people like that. I mean, to have a performance differ, you know, differentiate from time to time, and somebody are going to probably want more of a consistent uh, kind of signal as far as whatever they're recording, if they are recording at home or they want that playing live, something consistent. But yeah, that's that's yeah. at least the difference with the analog and digital of the difference of nuances in playing and getting replication. Yeah, and I think that what a lot of these come down to is in terms of is it culty or not, Mm -hmm. is are you part of a community where you think that your opinion is the only valid one? And if it's a large community of people who think that their opinion is the only valid one, that's where it gets culty and where they have like you have certain phrases Mm -hmm. that your own kind of culty language. Um, Yeah, that's where it gets kind of. That's where yeah. it crosses the line. I think that's really been the theme. Yep. And um, like we don't have a lot of time left. The one that I that started this for me yeah. is the cult of stereo. Yeah. And I wish Ian was here to talk about <laughs> I am it. I'm so guilty of that. You're gonna pick me that too. One. Totally. 
Totally. I'm I'm recovering from the cult of stereo. I still love your recovery effects. Hi, I'm Emily. Yeah. <laughs> I like them, but I I'm I, I think it was Ian from Collector Emitter, and I'm really sorry if I'm misremembering who said this, <laughs> but that I agreed with. Instead of having a stereo effect, I'd way in recording at least, I'd way rather double track guitar and pan hard left and right. Yeah, I get you. I mean, you can't get things like the, you can do the panning tremolo and in, in post-production pretty easily in terms of recording. And like the ping pong delay is like the one, <laughs> the one where <laughs> like, but like it's there. But when we talk about the cult of stereo, I think the big thing is the sheer amount of people who complain when a pedal isn't in stereo. Oh my God. Yeah, that doesn't make Every, yeah. every pedal. <laughs> She's like, that's me. It's every pedal. It's every pedal. Why does the habit have to be in? St- why do you why do people want the habit to be in stereo? Why do people want? Why does like a little goes a long way I, in stereo? I, I, I feel so attacked right now. Good, I'm attacking you. <laughs> Abusive members is number six I don't on the CEO. That's just for me. <laughs> No, it's, it's when the people who like are, are start attacking builders. Mm-hmm. Like Chase Plus doesn't do does almost nothing in stereo. They have a, they, they made now. one stereo <laughs> reverb, and now the and now the um the Gen Loss is going to be in stereo. Yes. But that's <laughs> people before those pedals would be like, you released a overdrive and it's not in stereo. I'm like, how many are though? Yeah, yeah there's not really any. Like, yeah. one. <laughs> I can like the Montreal Assembly of Two Positive is in stereo. Mm-hmm. I love that thing. But like that sounded great. I remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, and it was like a hundred bucks. No, the process. Oh, wow. I mean, that's why when you did that, I was just like, well, how much did it cost? Oh my god, a hundred bucks. Normally, I don't know why any that... other pedals like stereo cost a shit ton of more. Mm-hmm. I literally don't know why that video didn't do better. Uh, it's a hundred dollar stereo pedal, but. But you know, and that's kind of the big thing it, for me. It really is just people who complain that. Not everything's in stereo. Man, it takes so much more work to make a pedal stereo. It I just is, know it. it. I just know it. I know. I ask and too much. Ultimately, I know. <laughs> and a little stereo goes a long way. Like, you don't, like, how do you even, if you have a bunch of stereo pedals, how do you even, like, make that not sound mushy? Like, like okay, I have a stereo chorus that's going swish from swish to swish. I have a stereo ping pong delay that's going boing, 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 boing. And then I have uh, a stereo tremolo that's going wah, 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 wah. If you're just listening, you are not getting the effect of my... What it, what it, I'm making hand motions for each one. And then you have a stereo <laughs> reverb that's kind of going swish, 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 swish. And then you have a stereo amp cab where it's like, it's like Marshall Fender. <laughs> it's like... What it, what, it sounds, it sounds so weird. Dude. What if you're trying to make good soup? Good <laughs> <laughs> soup. You got baby, you got a stew going. But yeah, usually when it comes to like stereo effects, like anytime anybody has like some kind of stereo pedal, I am literally like here, you know, give me <laughs> take my money. Here. Yeah, like uh, you know, uh, Opla Noise Endeavors, like their first stereo pedal, and this, they hit it out of the park on the first one. I mean, it doesn't mean I mean my first row, like I have two rows on my pedal board. The first row is exclusively mono, so I'm I haven't converted full stereo. Like at the very end. It goes stereo. Like I could do either or, but I much prefer hearing both sides. 
<laughs> I love that. I love that effect of hearing both sides of the, uh, so, you know, yeah, I know you could pan it left and right, but, you know, layering and doing like more tracks is a little bit more work than I want to do sometimes. <laughs> It's just a little more work. It it's just this much more work. I mean, I'm doing I, so I, much, I truly, <laughs> I truly think that uh, doing hard pan double take yeah. just sounds bigger. But live, obviously, you can't do no. that. But if you are doing stereo live, like you have to have like a two amp rig, mm -hmm. or it's you more have expensive. To have, yep. If you're going, or if you're going direct, ask the sound guy to hard pan both sides, left, right, <laughs> and the song is okay. All right, fine. <laughs> fine <laughs> yeah, i think it's but, different um, with bass a lot of uh, bass effects because bass in a mix is so often just mono down the centered. middle yeah. yeah like you have so uh, little wiggle room to do stereo when you're playing yeah. with a band like i think i think that's Normally lost. I, yeah, yeah. yeah i agree with you yeah, but if I'm sitting if I'm sitting in here and I'm doing like ambient fun stuff, then I absolutely aren't to be in stereo. Ambient exploration, <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> you do synth stuff too, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I've been doing a lot of synth stuff lately, and uh, I do. I tend to like my synth stuff to be in stereo too. But that's mm -hmm. mostly because I'm a terrible yeah. synth player, and I need it to sound cool on its own <laughs> without any technique. So, <laughs> synth, synth almost makes more sense to me because I don't think people are double tracking synth. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't think. I don't do think that. so. No, I haven't ever seen that. No, I don't think mm -hmm. so. But like for guitar, I've seen people get mad when someone demoed a stereo pedal in mono. Yes, I have seen that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, you gotta you gotta understand, like 85 percent of guitarists aren't rigged for recording that. in yeah. stereo, probably. Nope, definitely not. Like, it is, and that's part of what makes it culty is because they're so aggressive, and it really is like a, really I'm are. sure yeah, a lot of people appreciate stereo, but if we're being honest, most people don't have stereo setups. Yeah. Yep, 100%. No, most don't. I don't know yeah. what the math is. So when you have someone angry in like the comment section, oh, this is a stereo pedal, you didn't do it like in stereo. Most of the people like are going to be playing this thing in mono if they get it. I mean, you're kind of going yeah. playing towards your audience. And if there are demos in which they're playing in stereo, hey, great. Now we get to hear that. But not, not everybody's going to be able to kind of put their rig together or even direct to play to that kind of you know, stereo system. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Um, I think, I think that's why the, I'm so grateful of the fact that there are a lot of demo artists because each one is different. So we each get a different either playing style or different way of music in which they're playing. And that's why it's so great when you have people in comments saying, no, you have to play this where you have to do this. Like, no, like there is something for everyone in the, all the channels. Like, I think it's great yeah. that we're all different because then what, if someone's been playing in mono, let's say, you know, Ian or somebody else is doing some kind of like, you know, stereo thing elsewhere, you know, either Emily or Russ or like either you, Emily, sometimes you're playing things different that other people aren't playing in ways. So I think, again, yeah. that's good. If it's mono or stereo, somebody out there will play stereo, whereas someone else will play mono. This is all good. Yeah, that's not that's not very culty of you. <laughs> Apparently, I am uh, going against the grain of my cult status. I need, but here we go. Here's yeah. here's my card. Here's my card. So how many how many of these cults do you think uh, qualified for authoritarianism without accountability? I think it's just a cult of personality. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think with it's that. the only one that can qualify. Um, zero tolerance for criticism or questions. Mm. All of all them. Oh, yeah. I think all of all. them. Uh, 
Let's see. Uh, unreasonable fears about the outside world or like other things. I think some of them are yeah, kind of, I think too many people are suspicious of digital. Yeah, that's a gatekeepy. Uh, some of them. Yeah, that's the gatekeepy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a belief that former followers are always wrong. I think a lot of them. Mm. I think if you're a two band person, you go digital, you're going to get pushed back from like your old two band yeah. friends. Yeah, now, now you're wrong. You were <laughs> right before, shit. but yeah. now you're yeah. wrong. Yeah. You're right before. Now you're an outsider. <laughs> Bit of an exit cost. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it would be like a true exit cost, <laughs> but like, I, like there's a tiny little one. Um, Abuse of members, I think that probably mostly literally can potentially occur with a cult of personality. Um, I'm not saying that it actively does right now, but it's it's a possibility. For sure. Um, yeah. That's not to say guitars aren't constantly abusing each other. Oh, yeah. Emotionally. Mm-hmm. Psychologically. Uh, psychological abuse. Um People can be mean to each other. Yeah, some people go like roast my board. They ask for it. I don't get that. Yeah. <laughs> Rec- records, books, articles, or programs documenting the abuses of the leader or group. I mean, there are some studies documenting that things like Tonewood might not be true. Right. And so, uh, I give that one a soft, like one or two of them. Mm. Um, followers feeling they are never able to be good enough. All of them. Yes. All. That's such a big thing in guitar culture is that there's always something else. Yep. Always someone there's, bitter or someone worse. Like it's, it's every, there's such a yeah. wide bereft of players that it's just across the spectrum. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe the leader is right at all times. Uh, most literally the culture personality ones, but I'm sure there are people who are louder about stereo effects and tube amps than others. Sure. But uh, I don't know if they have followings. Like, is there a YouTube channel just dedicated to like tube amps are the best and you need to know everything about them? Uh, no, I hope like not. there's well, you know what? Someone tell us in the comments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah please. Yeah, tell us. <laughs> please. Um, and then let's see, there was one other from the Atlantic. Opposing critical thinking. <laughs> If you're hard on any of these, hard on. <laughs> if you're like hard in on any of these <laughs> groups and you oppose critical thinking or questions, then yeah, it's that's culty. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, I think we can just kind of bask in the, the fact that guitar culture is a little bit culty. And a lot of the responses that I got were just like everything about guitar culture. Is culty. Oh, really? People are saying that? Everything. Oh, yeah. There were a few that said, oh, oh God. God. Yeah, I can see that. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So um, with that, Hondo, where can people find you, uh, talk to you, learn more about you? Uh, I am on YouTube as Hondo Felder Music uh, and also on Instagram as Hondo Felder. And I have a Discord and the links will, if you go to any of those, my Discord links will be in there. Uh, Discord's pretty fun. Uh, And I am also very rarely on Twitch and almost never on TikTok, but kind of occasionally. So... (laughs) Chron- not not you're not as chronically online as some of I us. I try not to be. That's like my big thing uh, going into the next year is trying to like you know not not be chronically online. So every year I try. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, Joe, is there anything else you wanted to say before we zippity do that on out of here? I regretted that immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 
No, no, I think I think we covered all the basis of uh, things that kind of uh, lend themselves to gear culture being culty in very many ways. You know, uh, the abusiveness being more of the gatekeeping and uh, pervasiveness of people having certain attitudes and outing anybody that has anything different to say. Uh, Gear worship as far as they can do no wrong and whatever they choose as far as tone or effects or whatever is the be all end all and there's no wiggle room (laughs) for self-expression yeah if you deviate from any of that you're no longer one of us you are outcasted you are shunned you know uh (laughs) shun the (laughs) non-believer shame ding ding shame (laughs) exactly so yeah i definitely do think a lot of uh, gear culture can be at times, um, but uh, I do appreciate those people that you know counter that and try to have an open mind and uh, mm-hmm. you know even gear kind of personality when it comes to uh, you know effects of gear and guitars and everything. Well put. I just was thinking that we didn't touch on the cult of offset guitars. I remember some people <laughs> yeah. did submit that. Oh, nice. Um, that's just because they're better guitars. Oh, thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, th- thanks for listening and understanding and everything. <laughs> uh, until next time, my name is Emily. I'm Jonah Parrin. And I'm Hondo. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs>